My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. And welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Dorian Jesse Fraser. In the last two decades, space for LGBT representation, voices, and creators has opened up in mainstream North American culture in a way that would have been unimaginable not too long before. This is an important claiming of space and is a product of both broader grassroots political victories by LGBT movements, as well as of the relentless persistence of queer and transcultural creators in the face of marginalization. As important as this change has been, however, it is important to recognize how incredibly partial and uneven it is. Most of the rich diversity and depth of queer lives and queer communities remain largely excluded from this space, while the pressures to accommodate a mostly cisgender and heterosexual audience, plus the profit imperative of cultural production in a capitalist society, mean that what does find its way into mainstream consciousness is often narrowed and distorted. Those identities and intersections under the broad LGBTQ umbrella that remain more marginalized in real life continue to face the most profound marginalization in terms of culture as well. Which means there are a lot of people who rarely, if ever, see themselves represented, see stories that speak to their experiences and struggles, or see ideas and information that they need to thrive. As such, spaces dedicated to creating, celebrating, and sharing queer and transcultural production, including in grassroots and do-it-yourself ways, remain as important as ever. In 2002, Montreal's queer bookstore shut its doors. A lot of people saw this as a major loss in the community, and a few years later, some of them came together to strategize about what to do. In 2007, they founded Queer Between the Covers, a collective under the umbrella of the Quebec Public Interest Research Group at Concordia University. Their goal is to make available print material that would otherwise be hard to find in Montreal. Queer Between the Covers puts on an annual book and zine fair, usually in conjunction with the more grassroots side of events that happen during the city's pride celebrations. They also maintain a distro year-round, and when possible, they organize or participate in smaller events throughout the year. Their annual book fair, which is coming up this year on August 19th at the Centre Communautaire de Loisirs Sainte-Catherine d'Alexandrie at 1700 Amherst in Montreal, features dozens of zine creators, independent publishers, distros, and other vendors of queer and trans media. Dorian Jesse Fraser is a graduate student at Concordia University, a writer, and a member of the Queer Between the Covers Collective. They speak with me about the relevance of print media in a digital age, about queer and trans politics in Montreal, and about the ongoing importance of spaces like the Queer Between the Covers book fair and distro. We spoke by Skype to phone from Montreal. My name is Dorian Jesse Fraser, and I am 
a writer living in Montreal on unceded Mohawk territory, and I work at Concordia University as an instructor as well as a doctoral student. And I've been involved with Queer Between the Covers, a book fair collective and a distro collective, which started in 2007. Queer Between the Covers currently puts on a book fair once a year during Perversité, which is, quote-unquote, the underside of Pride in Montreal. And we operate a distro that seeks to disseminate materials that are not easily found in Montreal, zines and books and things about queer stuff, trans people, queer issues, things like that. Queer Between the Covers was founded as an antidote to the fact that Montreal's queer bookstore Androgène had closed in 2002. So in 2007, a bunch of people got together to form this collective, and their goal was to make available materials that wouldn't otherwise be so in and around Montreal. When I moved to Montreal in 2013, I wanted to find my people. And one of the first things that I was directed to by a lot of people that I knew from back, because I come from BC, so I got the word that Queer Between the Covers was a cool collective-based affair in Montreal. And as soon as I got here, even before I got to Montreal, I emailed and I got involved. I mean, I'm a writer, so it appeals to me. Print media is amazing, and I love it, and actually it's part of what I study in my own work as well, so I look at archives and things like that, so the idea of queer media and especially the ephemeral quality of zines and DIY publications really interested me. Sketch out for listeners the annual organizing cycle that Queer Between the Covers goes through. It's really fun. It's an interesting yearly cycle as well, because usually what happens is our book fair happens during Pride in Montreal and the undercurrent festival, which is called Perversité. And that happens in August. So usually we have the fair on a day that's right before the Pride Parade called Community Day. And then as soon as the fair is over, our cycle begins again, right? We drop off for a little while. We take about a month to break. And then we come together around October and we have a debrief about what happened, what we want to do better, what we want to change. And that's usually the point in time where we do some outreach to see what everybody felt and thought about the fair and maybe have some ideas about what the next year could bring. So around October, we do that. We might post a listing for new members or get that out through our various social media groups. And then we usually chill out for a little while because it takes a lot of work. We get back together around February. And this is, again, the point in time where we put a call out for new volunteer members because we're all volunteer. And we run out of the Quebec Public Research Interest Group. So it's a funded group that runs out of the QPIRG Concordia organization. So we put out a call for new members and we start getting things ready for the fair. We brainstorm. We ask what we want to do this year, if we want to expand anything, like if we want to change directions with our distro, if we want to throw a party along with the book fair. Because over the years, Queer Between the Covers has had a few different events. We started the Glamourkist Look Fair party in Montreal, which is held during the Anarchist Book Fair right after the Anarchist Book Fair, which usually happens in May. One of our close working group friend groups, the Prisoner Correspondence Project, they run that party too. 
So, you know, it varies year to year. And by the time we get around to about a month away, we're really busy. We've already accepted our vendors. We usually have the actual book fair in the same space every year, which is at 1700 Amherst in Montreal. It's a big community center. We got our venue booked the very first thing in March. We have our vendors. We're looking at putting together our food because we like to feed our vendors. We have our coffee sorted out because you do not want to see a bunch of zinesters without their coffee in the morning. And we get, I guess some people will call it like hospitality stuff ready. We're also looking at having our posters printed up. We're looking at going out and putting them up in all the neighborhoods around Montreal. We're doing a lot more promo. We're just about to put out our press release. And so in the weeks leading up to the book fair, day-to-day stuff is really about on-the-ground work. It's about getting together our accessibility plan, you know, make sure all of the spaces between the tables and the aisles are measured so we know that it's accessible for everyone. It's about making sure that we have all the posters we need that demarcate bathrooms, whether they have urinals or closed stalls. It's about making sure that our on-the-ground work is really ready. So up until about the week before the book fair, we're getting all of this pre-prep stuff done, and then we go into execution. So we have all of our zines printed, we've got all the things happening, and then we're just about ready to throw the book fair. Tell me more about the collective. The collective varies from year to year. We have a mandate that is specifically related to providing access to materials by people who are marginalized, queer folks, people of color. In terms of the collective ourselves, at the moment, it's a very white collective. And that's a recognition for us of our privilege and having free time to spend on it. And that's something that we're looking to change in our leadership. But mostly it's people that are involved in one or two grassroots organizations based on the floor in Montreal. Most of us are involved in community activism, and it varies from year to year, but we've had a lot of members before that have gone on to be their own publishers, people who are otherwise engaged in the queer scene in Montreal. We've got trans activists in our cohort. We have a lot of people who are really interested in the ability of queer folks to publish their own work, to bring them together, and to celebrate that which is not necessarily on the top of the heap in the mainstream pride sort of hierarchy, if you know what I mean. And what's the book fair itself like? Usually we have over 60 vendors. This year we've got about that many. We have a larger space. It's a Santé Loisir, so it's like a community center space. And so we have about 35 tables, which are around eight feet long, and we have them set up in this gym-like space. We have hundreds of participants who come to check out the fair, to buy zines, to hang out, to mingle. We get a lot of traffic from Community Day, as I said, because we usually have the fair on Community Day. So we try and get people who normally might not even come to visit the book fair into the space. So usually it's buzzing with loads of people who are really interested in queer media, but also, you know, some people that you might not expect, which is really fun, too, when you can find things you've never heard of before. Also, your longtime favorites. 
this year because it's our 10th book fair. We're having a little bit of a homecoming theme. So we've got our alumni who come every year. We've got loads of new zinesters who are doing it for the very first time. It's such an exciting time because even though some people would say the heyday of zine making was, you know, maybe during the Riot Girl era or in the early 90s, we're seeing so much participation intergenerationally, which is great. So I'd say this space is filled with gender weirdos and anarchists, queers of all creeds, and everybody basically who's there to get some interesting takes on media and find some new things to read. Describe the range of content that can be found at the book fair, and maybe mention a few items that have particularly stood out for you in past years. I do have my favorites, of course. The range of topics explored in the book fair, it's huge. A little sneak preview, I guess. We have some witchy stuff coming up our way this year. So there's some new queer spirituality zines sometimes. There is usually a lot of material around intersectionality of queer living with different challenges in life. You know, some crip theory that's like disability theory along with being queer. A lot of it has to do with marginalized personal experiences. So there's a lot of things about past experiences and family life, things that are sometimes traumatic. I worked out through this sort of art. I think that a lot of the time when you get queer people making art in print media, you get an interesting amalgamation of mainstream cultural themes that come out, but as well with an undercurrent of things that are maybe not so understood in different circumstances. There's a lot of critique of popular culture as well. A lot of my favorites from years past have to do with our Montreal superstars. My personal favorite probably be Sophie Labelle, who is an amazing artist who writes about experiences from a trans perspective and does comics and actually does a webcomic called Assigned Mail. And she does amazing art. She has coloring books. She does stories for kids. And I think that's great. We're seeing a lot of very cool material coming up in French now that is about queer experiences, and we're hopefully going to see even more material in French coming out about trans experiences as well, because that's something we don't have a huge amount of material on, and we always want more. Where geographically does the book fair draw content creators and vendors from? We've had vendors from Rhode Island, New Orleans, New York, We've had a lot of different international people making themselves known at Queer Between the Covers. We're one of the biggest queer book fairs in North America, and that's a big deal. So we have contributors and vendors who come from all over. We have people who came in from Philadelphia before. Of course, we've got people from across Canada. We've had people from BC and the Maritimes. It depends on the year, of course, but we've had people from all over North America. So... In this digital age, when it's possible to find so much diverse content online, to find so many communities of support online, why is it important to specifically nurture and celebrate print media? 
Oh, wow. That's an excellent question. Well, you know, I feel like even though we heard a lot about the death of paperbacks and like no more bookstores and all of this stuff, I remember hearing a lot about it about 10 years ago and everybody was all worried, including myself. But what I'm finding and what we're finding generally is that people want print copies. We still want to touch. We want that tangible, tactile experience of picking up something and reading it. And I know that's very true for somebody like myself and members of our collective. There's something about the object, and especially when it's something that's put together by someone, and you can feel the care and love that went into making it. I really think that still has a huge effect on people, and it changes the way you experience something. Because reading a zine that's written by somebody that is what we call a perzine, a personal zine, reading something that was put together by the same hands that wrote it, that's an experience. And given the increased access that at least a certain subset of queer content and queer creators have to mainstream cultural contexts, why does it remain important to have grassroots queer and trans cultural spaces like Queer Between the Covers? As a lot of people know, there is usually one kind of queerness on the stage during things like Pride seasons and celebrations. And if you look at different artists, especially different trans artists of color, like Cyrus Marcus Ware and Alok Vaid Manon, and all kinds of different people in different areas of art, we're seeing a lot of artists call out to write love letters, either real or metaphorical, to people who work in activism, who work on the ground, to make things better for those queers who aren't so visible during Pride season, who aren't the ideal consumers that drive this kind of Pride economy supported by banks and alcohol companies, things like that. So this kind of grassroots experience is really important for people who are maybe more marginalized in the situation, people whose experiences aren't counted for, non-binary folks, people of color, two-spirit and indigenous queer folks. These things are really important. So we see with a lot of zinesters and folks who make DIY work is that that's a way for us to circulate our stories together And not that it's totally outside of the mainstream in a certain way. Of course, there are some aspects of people who come visit and who have booths and there are mainstream publishers that come sometimes. And that's great, too. But it's about the circulation of our stories within our community. We can build connections and build relationships and, you know, make it a better space for all of us together. And when it comes to those political fault lines within queer communities and the efforts by more marginalized people to claim space and to speak up against some of the problems with more corporate, commercial, mainstream versions of pride, we've heard lots this year, even in the mainstream media, about how that's happening in Vancouver, in Toronto, in Halifax. What's your sense of how that sort of thing is playing out in Montreal? The political climate around Pride this year and last year, and really stretching back into the history of Pride celebrations, conflicts between police and corporate people, and now even what's going on in Halifax with the sort of hostile takeover of Pride, it really seems like it's an embattled time again. And I mean, it always has been, right? 
in Montreal, it's a situation where, like many cities in North America, there is a strong corporate presence and we don't have a lot of representation in Montreal Pride Society around, you know, people who are people of color, queer people of color, trans people of color. There are areas that are quite lacking. So, I mean, in Montreal, I would say that it's a situation. It's not one that's as contentious publicly as, say, Toronto or Halifax. It is not at the level of we need to expel people from the Pride Parade or have exclusions or whatever. I'd say it's more kind of getting to that point. It's on a low boil right now. It's not quite as hot as it is in other cities. There are other issues going around in Montreal that are really huge as well. You know, like the intersection of Black, trans, and queer lives is really important. We recently experienced the extreme sadness of losing Pierre Coriolan to police brutality, and that really galvanized the queer, trans, and people of color community around that. So we've got those things working but I don't think it's bubbled quite up to the surface of the Pride Society yet. There are a lot of things going on in Montreal, like the 375 celebration and Canada 150, and that seems to be taking up a lot of space. But it seems like in Montreal, issues around race are really at the forefront right now, and an intersection between racial identity and queer identity aren't quite right at the forefront yet. On the Queer Between the Covers website, in describing the organization, it emphasizes your commitment to things like anti-racism, anti-capitalism, anti-colonialism, feminism, anti-ableism, and so on. How do all of those intersections with queerness manifest in how Queer Between the Covers does its work? It's so funny because we read it out a while ago at one of our last meetings and we're like, ah, we need to put more pros on there because it's a lot of antis. There are so many things going on in the world right now that we want to actively work against that we need to find more positivities. And at our visioning retreat this year, hopefully we'll be changing our mandate to reflect our values of self-determination and our stance against abolitionism in terms of sex work, because we see a lot of very second wave feminism pervading Montreal's scene of feminist work. And that's a really big issue for us as well, because yes, there's a lot of abolitionist types in Montreal. There's a lot of TERFs, the trans-exclusive radical feminists, And we have a lot of things in Montreal that are very specific to the kinds of things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis in Montreal. One of those things would be trans-exclusion from healthcare, from language. There's getting to be some terms that you can use for non-binary pronouns, but as we know, French is a gendered language. I mean, not that English isn't, but in terms of articles and the like. So we have a lot of very Montreal-specific issues, and I would say at the top of the heap would be trans representation and rights, as well as working to foster feminism that is pro-self-determination and getting out of that universalized, bio-essentialist feminism that is really left over from the second wave. Tell me about the Queer Between the Covers distro and some of the smaller events that you're sometimes involved with through the year. Our distro has the same kind of mandate as the book fair. We want to offer materials that are otherwise unavailable or very hard to get a hold of. This year, our distro, we're going through a little bit of a revamp in terms of our materials. 
we have mandates to provide more things around trans experience because as I was saying, there's a real lack of materials, especially in French, around trans experience. What we try and do is have a wide variety of zines and a few books that we can take around to different events. We do the Anarchist Book Fair and we do the zine fair. So we have a couple different events throughout the year if we have the capacity for it. We don't always have enough members to do loads of things, but we have a few events. Sometimes there are openings that we go to. We've done book launches in the past. And also working in the distro has given me a better understanding of what is going on around Montreal and around the things that we want to do in the city. Generally, we try and look for materials that are hard to find or that we have to order from places that aren't in the city because there are places in the city that offer zines, especially Hugo Leon, the feminist bookstore, and the Concordia Co-op bookstore as well. They offer zines, which is great. And we try and stick to materials that are hard to find otherwise. So with the book fair and the distro, what have your experiences been with people who come to buy things? Who's interested and what are they able to find through Queer Between the Covers that they otherwise wouldn't be able to find? I think there's a bit of a queer love story to the backdrop here. A lot of folks, when they're younger, maybe showed up at the book fair and were maybe questioning and not quite in the queer scene yet. And I know they've come back afterwards and said, oh, this was a huge part of me starting to understand who I am in my life. And that's been a huge and amazing deal for a lot of people. In terms of our audiences, we see a lot of, I like to call them gender weirdos. I include myself in that group. Loads of queers who don't fit into that mainstream idea of rainbow pride flags and, you know, bikini shorts on top of floats. We have loads of folks who are really interested in things that are outside the mainstream interest. We've got artists who make prints. Definitely lots of nerds, I would have to say. (laughs) And I also count myself amongst those folks. But in terms of our distro specifically, something that we've been seeing a huge push for in terms of people who want to buy is a translated text of author Julia Serrano's Cis Privilege, which is part of Whipping Girl. It's a great book of hers. And it's the only part that's been translated into French. So what we're seeing is a huge desire in the queer community, in the francophone queer community, for materials around trans experience. Because they still are not coming through. And we really were trying to get it out there. And so we've ordered a bunch. And hopefully they'll be here for the book fair. And everybody can get the copies that they want. We're really hearing a lot from people that they want more stuff on trans experience. They want more stuff made by people of color. And we're definitely on the same page. You have been listening to my interview with Dorian Jesse Fraser of Queer Between the Covers. The annual Queer Between the Covers book fair is coming up on August 19th at 1700 Amherst in Montreal. To learn more about it, go to queerbetweenthecovers.org. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.